settle down, settle down, everybody. I know we were on break for a while, so these shenanigans will not stand. It is time to get back to the Podcademy, the Umbrella Podcademy, and learn your lessons about what it means to be a proper podcast. I'm Alex. What a sick summer vacation we all had. <laughs> Whatever we wanted to do, hang 10, get wasted. I'm substitute teacher, Mr. Tyler. I'm Pete. <laughs> and sorry, anybody listening to this in real time. We were on a little bit of a break between episodes eight and nine of season one, but we're back. And everything's changed as we talk about changes. The ninth episode of season one. Changes. Shout out to Lynn for getting us back on track. Thanks, Lynn. Yes. We got a very nice letter from a listener named Lynn who said, I enjoy listening to this. Are you ever going to go back to it? And we were like, you know what? For Lynn. We're doing yeah, this one this for, is Lynn. for Lynn. We're doing it for this Lynn. For Lynn. And Lynn, you don't get letters normally. You get it's emails or letter. comments. But yeah, we got a yeah. handwritten letter. It was handed to me at my door by a footman. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. And what? A footman. It, it, it was like uh, the end of Back to the Future, right? Where the letter like, had been sitting in the post office for uh, 70 years or something. Yeah, exactly. A guy. Uh, I bet I said footman, but I bet with a guy with a briefcase who was like, "Ah, oh, we've always wondered what this letter is about." Well, anyway, yeah. goodbye. <laughs> and then, I'm, and then Pete ran up to me with a crazy head of white hair and said, "Alex, you got to come with me. It's about your children." And I was like, "They're right here. Tell them whatever you want to tell them, Pete." Come and your on. children, your children looked at you and were like, "We are forty years old, <laughs> Daddy." Well, I can tell based on this opening conversation, everybody is probably very glad we're back talking about the Umbrella Academy. <laughs> so let's yeah. get into it. As usual, uh, spoiler warning: if you haven't watched the episode, watch it. Uh, we're just going to give a brief overview, then talk about the big scenes and issues that happened. Uh, as you may or may not know things are going down with Vanya in this episode. She is very rapidly becoming unhinged, specifically because she accidentally, I guess arguably accidentally, attacked Allison, her sister, slit her throat. We thought maybe Allison was dead. Turned out this episode, Allison is not dead, but yeah. she can't talk, uh, which is a real problem when your power is rumor powers with people. Luther, of course, is not leaving her side at all the entire episode. He's pretty furious about it. And as Vanya spins out of control, Leonard reveals his true colors oh, to her. Leonard. Creepy Leonard. Yeah. Well, R.I.P. Creepy Leonard. That's fine. It's kind of the end of him in this episode. He's pretty uh, he giddy all the, the entire time. He gets all the knives. Yes, all times. Uh, he is gaslighting Vanya pretty much all episode long, but she figures it out when she finally finds the journal that we were introduced to a couple of episodes back, Reginald Hargreave Journal. She goes nuts, stabs him with her mind powers a bunch of times, uh, and uh, everybody else is kind of uh, one step behind. They figure out that the eyeball that Klaus, not Klaus, excuse me, that Five found was in fact his eyeball, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's creepy guy's uh, eyeball. Some questions about how yes. that makes sense. Yeah, let's um, get back to that I, in a second because that was those. a weird moment that I wanted to talk about. But uh, by the end of the episode, Vanya is being held in a soundproof tank. The family is Sleep definitely it. disagreeing about what's going on with that. But using her heartbeat, she uses her powers and she breaks out and she's ready to wreck vengeance just like a violin. 
Uh, and she, she's <laughs> the all The most like, violent of all instruments. Yes. She's violent. Violent. Don't you see? She's faced up. She's, you yeah, know, wait, like what was it? Comic. Rosanna, Rosanna Dana on SNL? Yeah. I'm sick of all the violence on, violence on television. Classic yep. SNL. Right. Everyone's there. favorite. Still resonating. Yes, I think so. Uh, and then uh, on the on the other spectrum, uh, we get to find a little bit more about Hazel and Cha Cha. Some big stuff go down with them. Hazel yep. comes and visits Five. There's a big fight in the house, but ultimately they knock out uh, Diego and have some Margs, which is very nice, very big, very bright Margs. Yeah, like probably from- Mountain Dew in there. What? Yeah, maybe it it's a like, Dorita. It looked like Mountain Dew was in there. Gross. <laughs> This is interesting because the Delicious. the season came out a while ago, but Duaritas just came out. So, Pete, are you willing to make a statement right now that Umbrella Academy invented the Duarita? Yes, I am. I stand behind it. For a couple things on this. Don't throw around Duarita like we all know what that is. Oh, come that, on. That was, that was a flash in the pan, one day on Twitter picture that went around. Just because Pete is living a Duarita lifestyle, the fans <laughs> yeah. don't need to have adopted the same lifestyle. Or they can join me. Disgusting. Have you had a Duarita yet, Pete? Uh, technically, no. I'm, but, <laughs> you know. Has a Duarita had you? Yes. Yeah, yeah that, is okay. true. that is true. You, but you've been drinking booze and Mountain Dew for yeah, a lifetime. Yeah, I mix booze and Mountain Dew uh, in a lot of different ways. So, I mean, you know. Do you feel like you've been taken advantage of uh, for your bartending skills or lack of skill? Uh, I would say uh, skills, not lack of skills. Nice. Mm. Yeah. Well, regardless, just to kind of finish this off, uh, at the end, we finally get the Hazel and Cha-Cha conflict going to a head as Donut Lady is suspended over a deadly hot tub. Very terrifying until time gets frozen by the handler and she is going to come and it's going to be handled, as they used to say on Scandal. Uh, so those are the big things that happened in the episode. Let's go back and talk about it. Uh, Justin, you had questions about the eyeball. Hit us up. So, uh, yeah. Uh, all now, right. So, Justin, to answer your yeah. question, like, that, you got to save the eyeball guy because he's the tipping point for Vanya. If you keep him alive and you're able to just kind of talk it out, Vanya doesn't turn into the white-faced violin lady we know from the comic book that goes and kills everybody. But if you, you know, but because Eyeball Dude died and she did it, now she's full evil. So that's why it was saved. Uh, sorry, eyeball. I just want to, just a point of clarification, Pete, I just want to clarify that uh, instead of calling her the white-faced violin lady, you can call her the white violin, which is her name for the comics. Yes. Right. It's a shortened version of white-faced violin lady. It's like a nickname. <laughs> Um, yeah, like Luther's full name is Luther Vandross. Yep, no, <laughs> that's true. No, I'm pretty sure that's not true. Oh my life, uh, Alex. Don't disrespect Luther. Waiting for somebody ready. like you. When the term rhythm and blues was uh, created, I'm sure they had Alexander Zalvin in their minds. <laughs> Go to Wikipedia. I, I dare yeah. you do it right now. My picture's there. <laughs> Oh, Rhythm and Zalbin was the yeah, original. They keep deleting uh, it, but I keep putting it back. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I understand that part about um, the oh, eyeball. Okay. My question is, didn't mm-hmm. Five find the eyeball sort of where they all died? In- yes. yes. Because so, someone was grasping the hand. I think it was Luther. I believe Luther was grasping. Yeah. Now, that doesn't make it. sense anymore. 
right? Right. They, right. He but the, left that's the eyeball. What, go ahead, go, Pete. Go. I was just going to say, that's what they were kind of do, do reading uh, you know, when they were having the Mountain Dew margaritas. Uh, they're saying, we, we changed time, we changed history, things have changed, like, because... Otherwise, it would have ended up with Luther grasping the eyeball uh, as he died. Right. So they're fooled into thinking they've won because the eyeball is in a different location. Right. Exactly. Um, Interesting. Um, Also, isn't it weird that the eye eye socket is just a little pocket for eyes? What do you think eye sockets are? I thought there'd be more wiring. So when I was in junior high school health class... We uh, we had a lesson in in, in the health class about uh, about drugs, and specifically, the teacher told a story about LSD and said, "You know, the thing about LSD is you think like you're going to go on a fun trip, kids, but in fact, the first time you could use it, it really mess you up. For example, there was a girl." who took some LSD and she thought spiders were crawling all over her body. Of course, they weren't because of the LSD. Mm. She went so crazy, she went to a mental asylum, still saw the spiders crawling all over her, and she popped out her own eyes but still saw the spiders because they were in her mind. And the whole point was like, don't ever use LSD. But the thing that stuck with me is the way the teacher described it is he put his fingers, like pointed them right over his nose in the corner of his eyes, it was like, poop. And what stuck with me from that moment is it is so easy to pop your eyes out. It yes. can happen at any moment. Wow. I have a fear of, uh, I'm not scared of a lot of things, but one of my irrational fears is umbrella spokes poking my eye out. Wow, that is that's why very specific. I have two eye-based fears. Umbrella spoke, poking my eye out. That's why this arms race in New York with bigger and bigger umbrellas is out of control. Yeah, you hate umbrellas. I hate umbrellas. I don't use them. I'll yeah. get wet, which is especially <laughs> bad with all the technology I carry in my pockets. Uh, my second fear is falling down, and on my way as I fall, I hit my eye on the corner of a table. Ooh. 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 How are you doing watching the show then, which is all about umbrellas and people yeah. missing their eyeballs? Yeah, I just, just pee my pants a little bit each episode. <laughs> oh, wow. Secondarily, I've been wasting all this money buying spiders and letting them crawl over my body when all I need to do is take LSD. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I use LSD all the time. <laughs> yeah. I just never touch my eyes. Like I right mean. before we record this podcast, for instance. <laughs> Where do you think the Lo- Luther Vadros comes from? <laughs> exactly. oh, man. He's right here if you want to yeah. talk to him. <laughs> He's crawling all over, all over my you. body. You've, You've got like a Ben situation, but it's a Luther Vandross. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Uh, let's talk about Vanya's storyline, because I think, as usual, Ellen Page is pretty great on this show. And in particular, I really like the scenes where she is trapped in the soundproof room. I think she does such yeah. a good job of that. The way those are filmed are so upsetting to watch as the family is outside, as Luther is preventing everybody from going in. The fact that you can't hear her when she's in there is upsetting. Um, but the way that she plays it and the way that they play it, I think, uh, is the right way. It makes you feel the right thing while you're watching it. Uh, and this is a point, and I know we've talked about this a lot, but this is a point that I had hoped they would get to much earlier in the show yeah. in terms of the family all working together or against each other, but at least being in the same place um, and uh, all to a purpose. This feels like a more fraught, poignant family dynamic than we've seen previously on the show. 
Yeah, I agree. And even in the comic book, like I think the way the original book plays it, um, the white violin is is a, a more traditional comic book villain. It's someone who is like evil and making their choices because they want revenge. And the way Ellen Page plays the role, it's much more uh, uh, someone who has been, you know, hurt her whole life by her family, has just wanted to be loved, and is, you know, she's acting out on her rage and her repressed uh, everything that she's repressed in her life. But you still feel sorry for her in these moments. And you feel like you're alongside her as opposed to like sort of like, oh, this yeah. poor character. And it's, I think that is crucial in this uh, in this season, in this show, that they play it that way. It's, it's so good. Yeah, the way they kind of play her up, her village villain origin story it, it it's very easy to see why she is the way she is and how she became that way and you when you don't like oatmeal and strangers keep trying yeah. to make you eat oatmeal you're going to throw them various distances from you and i really appreciate how the show really takes time to show that and uh, uh kind of like sit in the awkwardness that is like you know if a nanny can't handle it you know, are you guys a, are you guys oatmeal guys? Uh, yeah, I've always thought of myself as an oatmeal guy. <laughs> never, yeah. never. Oatmeal can yeah. suck it. Yeah, I agree. Oatmeal can suck it, which I say a lot uh, at breakfast time, especially. <laughs> I'm at Denny's. I'm like, what do I want? Well, first off, oatmeal can suck it. I'll take moons over my hammy all day. I hear it. Uh, but secondarily, I, I mean, anything with meal in the name doesn't. Is I don't know. Yeah, I like a good overnight oats. That's what? good. No. Yeah, what are you talking why, why about? Do you, why do you got to take the time? What, do you, uh, what is all, this? Overnight? All I'm saying is, if you do take the time and you really let it like sit and steep with some apples and cinnamon, make it fresh with some steel cut oats. That's good stuff. What steel cut? What are you? Where you Who need to are know you? What what metal cut your oats? Yeah, I have a I have an oak cutter. <laughs> Luther yeah. Vandross is working on it right now. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. I'd show it to you. <laughs> but I cut them fresh myself from yeah, my well, oat I- fields. Your oat fields, definitely not what it is. I have a copper cut oat uh, recipe that I really go by. Oh, wow. I like that you're saying, you know what's bad about oatmeal? It's not mushy enough. I let mine sit overnight. <laughs> <laughs> I could eat this with not a tooth in my mouth, and that's my dream. <laughs> I'm just saying, I identify hardcore with uh, young Vanya in this situation. Yeah. Along with Pete, throw a nanny, and then you get a robot nanny who really gets that oatmeal recipe down. Oh, man, that was so creepy when she had the head backwards. Yeah. Uh, the mob stuff across the board actually is very good and underplayed. I would love to see more of it. There's little notes yeah. with Diego, SEC's mom again, I, oh, if I remember man. correctly, in this episode. Now which I think that was, great. was a breakfast. Did you see those pancakes? Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, later stuff. in the episode, those are cl- some classic silver dollar pancakes. Yeah. Love me some silver dollar pancakes. See, I have a problem with silver dollar pancakes. Not enough pancake. Make a large one. Come on. No. Mm, light, Why do they fluffy, need to be so tiny? small? Just the small. You just give. You just give more of them. They're yeah. larger than silver dollars as well. Oh, here oh, we go. Wow. More like commemorative coin pancakes, if anything. Wow. wow. <laughs> Again, <laughs> another thing I've heard you shout at a at a breakfast, uh, Denny's. Uh, it's more of a commemorative coin <laughs> situation. <laughs> this is more of a commemorative coin pancake. Also, I'll take the grand slam. That's why I always say I have commemorative coin sized nipples. Wow. <laughs> You you do always say that, and it's weird because you say it at Denny's just before you order. <laughs> now, Pete, you have to be bursting at the seams to talk about the Hazel and Cha Cha stuff. I imagine. Yes, there is fantastic fight scenes in this episode. 
just glorious fight scenes. And you want to talk about the perfect uh, freeze frame. Oh, my God, the above shot of the poor donut lady just, you know, feet away from that hot tub of death. Glorious. We saw so many fun fight scenes. And it was really upsetting to see how (laughs) Cha-Cha, like, was just so cold. uh, And, um, you know, poor Hazel. He came in that door so excited to see his donut lady. Like, everything was going to be all right. Well, let's break it down, because what Hazel's doing here is... Hazel and Cha-Cha in this season feel a little... To me, it doesn't quite land, uh, if I couldn't say that. Um, No, you're you're wrong, but you can continue. Yeah, I know we're going to fight probably, but that's fine. Uh, We get uh, Cha-Cha's going to mess up Hazel's life, then Hazel goes to hang out with Five. They're having the the, uh, duel. Well, he he realizes if he, you know, if it's... He's going to pledge himself to trying to save the apocalypse because he's fighting for Donut Lady. I thought so, it was a great moment. Yeah, so he's like, I, I've found love. I want peace in my life. I'm giving up on this lifestyle. Right. Um, and then we get the back end of the episode is sort of this like Looney Tunes or like spy versus spy style fight. Ah, it's a glorious fight. Um, throughout the whole thing. So then I'm like, well, what does this, what's the point of this? Is it like, no matter what happens to you, you can't give up on where your place in life is. Um, like where, what no, is I the, think, what is the purpose of these characters in this show? I Besides think it, like some fun. Well, first off there's time travels. So kind of like, you know, it's all over the place, but I think the purpose of the characters is just to kind of like, show these like time hitmen who are supposed to try to keep things in, in, in check and they kind of spin way out of control because you get the handler showing up and she's like, you two idiots. And they're literally beating the shit out of each other in front of a donut lady. So it's like, yeah, they spun way out of control. Uh, and it's just kind of like a little bit of like where they started to where they are. Uh, um, I think, but as far as like purpose, it's, They've been nothing but great fun in the show every time you see them. And you get a little bit of love with the donut lady. And you First little- of all, if you want to watch a fight in front of a donut lady, go to any Dunkin' Donuts in Boston, I would say. Yeah. Uh, wow. Second of all, yeah. You call that a Corolla? You call wow. that a Corolla? It's not a Corolla. <laughs> it's it's a tiny. Corolla. It's a half a Corolla. I don't think so. I'm not paying the 85 cents for that piece of shit. Sir, wow. this is a Denny's. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just want to get a couple things straight. Did I tell you about the size of my nipples yet? <laughs> uh, but I agree with Justin. I know we've talked around the same sort of thing a lot. It feels to me like the initial idea was, what if we have these Quentin Tarantino-esque time killers who are traveling through? Yeah. And then they tried to make it into a plot line, but it doesn't really connect in any way. I mean, if I was being generous, I would say it's something about... Destiny, fighting against your destiny, finding your own path, which the Umbrella Academy is doing as well. They are trained to be these superheroes and it broke them. Can they find actually who they are in adulthood without their father? Maybe Hazel and Cha-Cha are kind of doing the same thing where Cha-Cha is trying to keep things on the straight and narrow, trying to keep things the same while Hazel is trying to change and grow and be a different person. So that's that's the generous interpretation. But I think the point of the problem is, is it feels like these two trains running that don't quite connect, or at least they occasionally connect plot-wise, 
but they soon seem to tie together in the right way. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched Utopia that just dropped on Prime Video, but that's the same sort of thing where it's like, again, uh, two killers traveling through and they're weird and quirky and you watch that stuff and it's like, it feels like we're back in that era after Pulp Fiction where there were 13 different Tarantino impersonation movies that were coming out and they all had exactly the same thing. But this is coming, what, 20 years later at this point, something like that. So it doesn't really feel that fresh to me. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind. The, I don't mind the Tarantino ness of it. Uh, it's more to me like oh, I just want to like thematically tie them in a little bit because I do think you're right, Alex. Like it does feel like they are sort of like can you change? Can you change yourself? Can you change your life? Or are we doomed to just follow the tracks that have been laid out for us? Which is the same thing that uh, Five is trying to um, deal with. So I do think in that interpretation, it's interesting that Five sort of confidently being like, yeah, yeah, Hazel, do whatever you want, man. We have, we figured it out. And in fact, no one's figured it out. Hazel thinks he's gotten out of his track, but he's back doing the goofiest amount of uh, (laughs) fighting with his ex-partner right after that scene. And Five has not solved uh, their end of the world problem at all, as we find out at the end of this episode. So maybe that's I just wish it was pointed to a little bit more so we could make that connection naturally rather than um, talking about it. Okay, well, obviously, you guys are missing what they're really portraying. They're talking about in the future. When we're working at a job, you can be anywhere and tube technology will find you. And it's about how we are all kind of like slaves to the system of work and, you know, devices and like you can't go anywhere and you still have to do things that you don't want to do. I think that's really what it's talking about. Yeah, and, I mean, to uh, be fair, Pete is right because I just got a tube put in where I am and it says, save Alex, kill Pete. Oh, yeah, that's weird. So, I got a tube put in where I am, and it says uh, "Save Justin, Kill Alex," which is very confusing. <laughs> wow, that's, that's wow. fucked up. I just Wrong got tube. A, a tube message, and it just says "Run for your life." Oh, that's nice. I sent you that one. <laughs> truly, the internet is a series of tubes. Another current fresh reference. Nice, right back in Tarantino you know, time. I don't care. Like you know, I think you know some things might seem like overdone to you or whatever, but I think it's a fun, nice little spice of life where you can have, instead of a normal kind of romantic scene, you have a giant fight scene in a romantic setting, and it's fun. So fuck hmm. both of you. I've definitely had a lot of fight scenes in romantic settings in my life. <laughs> uh, so those are kind of the main plot lines of the episode. There's probably a couple other little bits we can talk about. Um, let's talk about the Allison not being able to talk thing, because yeah. I I know I talked about this in an earlier episode, but or hinted at this in an earlier episode, but I remember the first time I watched it through, I was very frustrated about this plot twist. I was glad Allison was alive, but the fact that she held off from using her rumor powers basically the entire season, and then they slit her throat so she can't talk, felt a little... Cutesy is probably the wrong word, but it definitely felt like very writerly to me where it was like, ooh, what if she can't talk then? We slit her throat. And it's frustrating as a viewer to watch that because you want her to be able to use her powers and do things rather than feeling poignant or sad in the way that I think they mean. Yeah, I get that. It didn't bother me as much. I mean, there's not a lot of time for them to use their powers at all in this show. 
like we get a you know one sort of moment for for most of them besides five gets to do whatever he wants basically in Klaus but like Luther is you know he gets his big moment a couple episodes back uh it's just this show is about them their emotions way more than it is about them actually being superheroes yeah I, I, I say they didn't bother me as much I I agree, but I would like to say I think it's adorable that you think you've been coy with your hatred of different things on the show, so (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I've I've been playing kind of cute with it. Nope. He is. Alex is flirting with the idea that he doesn't quite like (laughs) this show. uh, (laughs) Did you pick up on any of that, Pete? Did you? I've been dropping down a couple of little uh, morsels, some crumbs. It's awful. Um. Uh, another couple things to talk about. I, I, Pogo in this episode is, he's just a bad, bad dude. What are you talking about? Pogo he's, reveals that he's like, your blood is like my blood. He might have been like, son. He's very weird about knowing about all their blood. He's like, oh, he, you got moon blood. You've got drug well, blood. Well, when, when you raise somebody, I think you know what kind of. You're like, for, hey, I know your blood for life. I'm like, hey, that's my blood in there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to say that to my children, I guess, but maybe I'm, I was raised differently. Yeah, most monkeys can't talk. Uh, but oh, great. Another could, great point now. <laughs> <laughs> if they did talk, uh, they would constantly be talking about everybody's blood. This is yeah, true. true. Scientists know this. That's why Jane Goodall was so scared all the time. <laughs> oh, my God. How dare Yeah, that's you, why sir. she was like, we need to keep those gorillas in the mist. They're scary. <laughs> oh my, come on. This is bad. I don't like yeah. this. Uh, yeah, Pogo. Uh, I I would like more Pogo because I think Pogo is a great character. Yes, but he's certainly his uh, role in this episode is the secret revealer. The uh, which which I think part of it is like it's a plot thing. It's a plot device to drive everybody on to the actions they take with Vanya by the end of the episode more than anything. But I would Luther. Say. Luther was a real asshole to Pogo when he was sitting in there with Allison and Pogo was like, hey, why don't you go get some rest? And Luther's like, I don't fucking trust you, monkey, who raised this entire family. But Fuck you. I, I think Luther's right. Like, in the, again, back in the co- to the comic, like, Pogo feels more like his own person and is more of like a fun uh, monkey butler. But in, <laughs> in the series, he's much more like <laughs> bearing the standard of their father and who is also like a bad dude. So he like definitely is there doing bad things, like not telling them the information that could help them, like being judgmental of them. Like it, it just feels like he's a less likable character. Maybe that's a choice that, that helps keep the father present in a way uh, yeah. as a driving force. Because I do think in this episode, it, this show and this episode specifically is all about how even though Luther has rejected his father because his father lied to him and kept him on the moon for no reason, basically. Yeah. Um, he still years. is, yeah, for a long time. That's a long I mean, time anywhere. When you, when you ground someone, it feels like five years on the moon, but you know, yeah. he actually did it. And ironically, when I was a kid, I would have loved to have been grounded on the moon. But it was bad for Luther. Yeah. Uh, Instead, you were grounded on moons over my hammy. That's that's true. You're going to finish all these moons over my hammy. Oh, you like eating moons over my hammy? Or you're going to finish all the moons over my hammy in this entire Denny's. Wow. (laughs) And I fucking did. Impressive. And that's when I became a man. Yeah. uh, Or I'm in a ham. That's when I became a ham. (laughs) Yes. 
Uh, uh, wait, uh, yeah, to, to finish, I, to finish my okay. point though, like they, despite the fact that they've rejected the father pretty much across the board, they're still doing his bidding. They're still replicating his sins by putting Vanya in her box, and that's where uh, they make their mistake. Yeah, I well, think it's oh, it's one ahead, of those Pete. things where like. You know, monkey see, monkey do. Uh, Pogo saw this father be very cold and distant. And so when he died, he just kind of kept playing that out because that's what he knows, you know. Oh, that's very funny. <laughs> uh, we should probably also talk about uh, similar on the whole predestination thing, I guess. Um, I mean, I can't believe you don't want to talk about Klaus. Klaus had a, some magical moments in this episode. Yeah, it was an all right class episode. I think oh, I mean, class is always you. great. Oh, class, shit. Yeah, we can talk about it. What do you want to talk about, Pete? I was going to talk about five for a second. Okay, fine. Yeah. Let's talk about five uh, gives up his uh, dummy wife, his um, mannequin wow, wife. That's not the term that yeah, you're that supposed to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mannequin. His, mannequin. Uh, his mannequin wife, which Dolores. I took. She has a name. Yes. Uh, I took that as almost a repudiation of what he says to... Chach Hazel, sorry, earlier in the episode that he's like, no, I'm going to put things back where they go. We're linking back with this timeline, which I thought was interesting. Um, you know, that thing also feels like a weird, quirky affectation to me, similar to Hazel and Chacha. Um, so I'm not in love with that storyline, but I did like thematically where it hit by the end. It's, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Like, I I think it's sort of like he's he's like, oh, I solved all of my problems. And so I don't need this, I guess, crutch or delusion that I had anymore. This thing that saved me in this bad life that I had. Um, I can put it away and I don't need it anymore. But like a lot of things that these kids go through, they don't realize that the things that happen to them have affected them and they need to conquer them, not just be like, done, checked it off. I'm (laughs) healthy again. Well, I think it's one of those things where. Uh, it's Im- impressive how moving that moment was. It's basically a person who's maybe not right in the head saying goodbye to a mannequin, but the way it is shot and the way that he's reacting to her is very moving. And it's hysterical the moment after where you're almost getting choked up. He's like, hey, you know, can you make sure that man can get some sequence? And the look on that lady's face is like, what the fuck? It's such, it's great. I do like curveballs in, in, in the show. And I think that like maybe thematically they don't, they don't meet up, but it's a fun, anything can happen kind of feeling for the show that kind of makes it interesting to watch. Uh, Pete, you want to talk about Klaus? I do want to talk about Klaus. Go for it. Yeah. So there's, Huge moments with Klaus. First off, um, you know, he's working with Ben and they have a Swayze moment, which is really hysterical. Klaus is looking for drugs because he's like, nothing has changed. I want to feel numb. Nobody thinks I'm a part of this team. Uh, Puts drugs in his mouth and then Ben punches him out. Uh, that was really cool. And then during the rest of the episode, they're trying to play patty cake to get the powers to work, which is really funny. Um, yeah, and then there's a fun part where Klaus is like, yeah, I don't think I should go with you. And then Diego throws a knife at him. He's like, well, you know, I could use some exercise. It was, I it was absolutely magical. Klaus is magical. Uh, real quick, on the count of three, um, I need everyone needs to sh- say their, their Swayze moment. 
Like, just say what, the, when you hear the term Swayze moment, what do you mean? Ready? One, two, three. Nobody lived in dancing. the corner. Yeah. Yeah, the dirty dancing lift. Yeah, there Well, we all said the lift. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny, but you used the term Swayze moment. Is that what you meant? Like, Klaus and Ben do the lift. Yeah, he wasn't dirty referring dancing. to ghost. He was referring to dirty dancing. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. You, you go, you use the term and you didn't even, you knew that you meant nobody puts baby in the corner. Yeah. Have you huh. ever done? Have you ever done the dirty dancing lift in person? No, that's I'm, I. I don't think. Uh, yeah, Pete's never been at a lake, so I don't think so. Um, I was doing a show uh, at the UCB Theater in New York uh, with a guy named Michael Hartney, and we were doing just an improvised. I've hosting heard of bit. him. He's been on the show before. He's been on the show. We were doing a just an improvised hosting bit, and the, the 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 lift came up, and I don't know why I thought we could do it. Oh, but wait, I, are I, you <laughs> trying to lift him up? No, fuck no. Okay. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Michael Hartney's like very strong. Yeah. So I like ran to the other side of the stage, sp- ran directly at him and committed to it, dove, and he caught me. And we wow. did the lift. He spun me around ab- above his head wow. and pulled me down. Did it feel magical? Did it, feel it, was, it was truly, it felt amazing. Also, it could have ended in disaster <laughs> in so many ways. Well, yeah. yeah. Was the audience like... Eh. Moved. The audience was, was like, "Oh, you guys planned that," and we had to tell them over and over again. We just because we, we were clearly shot in shock that it worked. <laughs> we had to say like that was glowing afterwards. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. All right, before we wrap up here, though, who gets top marks for this episode at the Umbrella Pod Academy? Pete, take it away. Top marks for you. <sighs> oh man, this is tough. Um, this is this is really tough. You know, part of me wants to just say the handler because her entrance and when she goes, you two idiots, I fell out my chair, but I'm going to mm-hmm. have to go. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Hazel. His like saddle up to the bar moment, like coming to grips with life and talking uh, and then unbelievable over the top fight scenes. And the fact that he's willing to fight so hard for his donut lady, it's very move- moving. Justin, what about you? Got to give it up for Vanya. I said it earlier on in the podcast, like the way she's able to take this um, character that is like lost, uh, confused for the entire season and then like truly flipped out and uh, doing bad things on purpose and you feel true sympathy for them uh, is is great. It's really that's a really hard acting trick to do. And and she does it. It changes the story, the original source material um, for the better. Uh, and uh, it's just great, great performance. Can I, can I just say one thing about Vanya? The part where, you know, like she lifts up creepy guy and like the spinning plates and everything was happening befi- behind. That was a really cool shot and fun to see. And then the fact yeah. that she used every knife in like a certain radius was really impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of knives right in that radius, though, which was very interesting. Uh, must I have been one of those Cutco people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I got to also give it up for Vanya for the same reasons you said. Just Ellen Page was so good in this episode. She's good in every episode, but this was a big obvious turning point for her. Uh, she's got those powers now. She's white, just like a violin. Uh, and uh, it's going to be exciting to see what happens as we get into the season finale here. And that is it for the Umbrella Academy. Uh, we will be coming out more regularly with episodes uh, as Don't we finish up season one. Uh, as we finish up season one and get into season two. So hang in there, everybody. Yeah, just uh, can't but- wait for season two to drop. Oh, man. Oh, man that's going to be great. I wonder what will happen. 
Yeah, can't wait. It's going to be so <laughs> Patreon.com slash comic book club, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. We also do a live show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Sure do. Uh, at Podcademy on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. And until next time, all my life, <laughs> I've been waiting for somebody like you. Oh my I found love. Wow. Finally found. I don't know the lyrics. I'm sorry. R and Z. Wow. You guys want to grab some Denny's? I got a lot of things I want to shout at someone. <laughs> <laughs>